Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 31, Protecting Your Child from Suicide. It's March 8th, 2021. I'm your host, Lisa Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. What I do is I help people be well-loved, happy, and healthy, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any way, and my music is by Howie Moskovich. Protecting your child from suicide. There could be so many alternate titles for this. For example, what to do if your kids are unhappy. So right now, where we are in the world is we are having the majority of the population suffering deeply, very depressed, anxious, fearful, worried, and stuck in what I call a period of communal suffering. And at the same time, young people and that means children, teenagers, and young adults are being extremely hard hit by the pandemic. This podcast is dedicated to you to help you with your young people, whether they're children, whether they're your grandchildren, nieces or nephews, or other young people in your life or young adults to help them. So I'm asking you to listen to this podcast as an opportunity for something new and exciting, even though we're in these, this dramatic time of deep suffering. And what I'm appealing to you as adults is, is to take this on. What I'm going to go through today, to take it on with the young people in your life. I'm asking you to be a leader. I'm asking you to be a role model. I'm asking you to take this on as a very, very urgent matter. What I don't want you to do, however, I don't want you to listen to this podcast and be thinking to yourself, oh, gee, I got that wrong. Oh, gee, I didn't do that. Oh, oh, there's another shortcoming of mine or another inadequacy of mine. No, no, you don't want to be listening to this podcast from that point of view. That's not an empowering point of view, number one. And number two, that's just your inner critic speaking. And our inner critic is not nice to us, so I'm asking you to listen to this from a different point of view, like, oh, wow, what if I try that? Or, oh, wow, that might be cool. Because this podcast really is about empowering you. It's about empowering you to help your young people by giving them skills, abilities, attitudes, and information that will help them be happy and flourish in life, even during a pandemic. Because when young people or adults have strong coping mechanisms and skills and empowering attitudes and beliefs, that offers protection from suicide. It doesn't mean that no one will ever commit suicide, but it brings the, the chances of suicide dramatically down. So what I'm asking you is I'm asking you to join my team. I'm asking you to put yourself on my team to make a difference in the world because I need your help. I can't do this by myself, 
Of course, I don't like doing things by myself anyway. So, so I'm asking you to join the team. And that'll mean doing different things. And it can be exciting and fun because I'm a fan of that. And I'm asking you to share this information and implement it. Now, if you're a parent and or a young person and you're suicidal or your child or teen or young person is suicide, you need to get in touch with the local suicide prevention organizations or a national hotline immediately. Like you need to take immediate action. There's no, no reason to wait. So what am I going to cover during this podcast? Well, number one, I'm going to touch base on the sense of urgency. Number two, I'm going to talk about how divorce, dysfunctional families, and domestic abuse impacts young people. I'm going to give you an overview of post-traumatic growth or post-traumatic stress disorder, two different things, and there's a choice in there for you. I'm going to talk about making this fun. I'm going to talk about skills to embrace. I'm going to cover skills, habits, attitudes to learn and incorporate in your life and the life of your children. I'm going to talk about what would it look like if you actually took on what I'm suggesting. So that that's going to be a little interesting. And then um, I'm going to give you a couple things to do immediately with a sense of urgency, some takeaways and a call to action. So we're looking at probably a longer podcast today than normal, but suicide is one of those things that we all agree it's terrible and it's extremely painful and we all think something should be done about it, but what are we really doing? So this is what I'm talking about is what we should be doing, what I'm asking you to be doing. So I always start my podcast with the shameless plug to visit my website, www.lisaalevy.com to enter my giveaway because I'm giving away cool prizes, including my new book. So visit my website to enter the giveaway. Now, the other important thing for you to know is I am not, uh, this is my disclaimer, by the way, I am not a medical professional. I am not a therapist in any way, and I don't pretend to be that. I'm just not those things. So if you need medical or therapy advice, you should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed medical healthcare professional. The other important thing for you to know is if you're suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That number again is 1-800-273-8255. I'm asking you to tell someone. I'm asking you to talk about it. I'm, I'm happy if you put it on social media. I promise you people will help you. And I promise you that there's help available, so you want to take advantage of that. All right, so why the urgency? Well, I think that we can recognize now that we're a year into a pandemic that's dragging on, that the the rates of depression, anxiety, sadness, loneliness, isolation, anger, and all of the negative emotions are skyrocketing. I mean, it's just through the roof. I think we can agree on that. But even prior to a pandemic, Prior to March 2020, the national suicide rate had increased 25.4% from 1999 to 2016, with increases occurring in every state except for Nevada. So that's an increase of 25.4% in 17 years prior to the pandemic. So in 2017, there were an estimated 1.4 million suicide attempts and more than 47,000 deaths by suicide 
making it the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Do we need any more reasons to have a deep and dire sense of urgency? I don't think so, but there are more. So if I wanted to cover with you, which I'm just going to kind of skip over, prior to the pandemic, you know, our National Institutes of Health and our government agencies have lots of data and statistics about the mental health issues that adolescents and young people are dealing with or were dealing with prior to the pandemic. And they're huge. You know, it's like 49.5% of adolescents on a mental disorder. And adolescents with any mental disorder, and an estimated 22.2% had severe impairment. So prior to the pandemic, not only was suicide escalating, but we had a huge problem with the mental health of our young people prior to the pandemic. So the societal costs associated with suicide prior to the pandemic were estimated at $70 billion. Those costs include lifetime medical fees and costs and lost work costs prior to the pandemic. We have an urgent problem we need to deal with, and we owe it to our young people, in my opinion. I mean, we just owe it to them. It's our responsibility. And as far as I'm concerned, this is as urgent and pressing as it can be. Now, so I'm asking you to be on my team. I'm asking you to share this podcast with everyone. I'm asking you to do things. I'm asking that because I need it because our young people need it. Like shame on us as adults if we're not actually going to do what our young people need. I mean, what kind of people are we? Well, you know what I know? I know we're good people. We're good people who didn't know any better when we were raising our children or we don't know any better than what we know right now. But this podcast is about helping you grow and develop so we can make a difference. So I'm going to really hope you're going to join the team because I'm going to show you how fun this can be. I know. I'm a fan of fun. All right, so that so that gives you some background as to why it's urgent. It's urgent, urgent, urgent. So the next thing I want to just touch on lightly is how divorce, dysfunctional families, and domestic abuse impacts young people. These three things, divorce, dysfunctional families, and domestic abuse, dramatically impact young people. We don't walk around talking about how divorce, for example, impacts young people. We don't. I mean, there's a little whisper here and there, but it's kind of like thrown under the rug, like so many things. But these three things, divorce, dysfunctional families, and domestic abuse, wounds young people more often than not. It contributes to low self-esteem. It gives them higher A scores. Now, I know if you're new to my podcast, you might not know what an A score, but an ACE score, ACE stands for A-C-E, stands for Adverse Childhood Event. And there is an ACE, so it's an Adverse Childhood Event test and score that you can look up online. And the more um, issues in a family, the higher the child's ACE score would be, or your ACE score. You can look it up and take the test for yourself. And you might be like, wow, it's amazing. So if you've gone through any of these things, it's time to stop blaming yourself. It's not, it's not, this is not the time to make, make yourself wrong, to judge yourself harshly. What's done is done. But young people are deeply wounded and hurt 
by things that happened growing up that they don't have the skills to deal with. So just because you've been through bad things doesn't give you your future. It just means it might be time to do a little improvement and empowerment. So if your child or your teenager or your young adult was exposed to divorce, a dysfunctional family, or domestic abuse, you should just assume, in my opinion, that there has been an impact and not a, not a good one. And so, you know, even if you're not seeing the impact right now, it might not show up for a very long time. So why wouldn't you want to help your child? Well, of course you want to help your child. And of course you want to protect your child from suicide and reduce the likelihood of that. Well, that's what we're going to get into in a minute. So there's this choice you have. So when there's a trauma, I'm going to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder and post-traumatic growth. So when there's a trauma and a pandemic that drags on for a year could easily fall into the trauma category, some people end up with what's called post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Now, if you're not familiar with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, that is a psychiatric disorder that may occur in people who have either witnessed or participated in a traumatic event, which can include a natural disaster, a serious accident or event, etc. There are many, many, many things that can cause post-traumatic stress disorder. And PTSD can occur in people of any age, any age, any ethnicity, any nationality, any culture, any socioeconomic status. So PTSD is something that anyone can get. So PTSD, basically the symptoms fall into four categories, intrusion, avoidance, alterations in cognition or mood, and alterations in arousal and reactivity. Basically, you don't want to have PTSD because it's bad. Okay, it's not a good thing, and, and we're going to see, or we're already seeing, increases in PTSD as a result of the pandemic. But here's a, there's an alternative. So you can put yourself like at risk for PTSD, or you can take advantage of what's called post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth. That is not a term that is widely in use at this time. However, you can go online, as I did, and find amazing research. I found a study from 2010, which was just amazing, amazing from the standpoint of what's, you know, what we know. So here's what we know. Post-traumatic growth is, is when people who have experienced a deep loss or intense suffering use the loss and suffering to be better versions of themselves or to some way improve their life. Yes, it is absolutely in the research. It's a real thing. It's been being researched for longer than 10 years. I mean, the study that I looked at was from 2010, but they reference all kinds of prior research materials in their 2010 study. So this another way to say this is, you know, Post-traumatic growth would be using your emotional pain to your advantage. Using emotional pain 
to grow and develop using emotional pain to flourish. Now I happen to have a podcast from last year called using your using emotional pain to your advantage, which I happen to make in December 2020 not knowing about the research from 2010 and this wonderful, amazing concept called post-traumatic growth. So I'm a fan of using emotional pain to your advantage because what else would you want to do with it? I mean, pain is pain is pain is pain. It's painful. However, in my opinion, when you can take something that's painful, a deep loss, suffering, and use it to improve yourself, improve your life, or make life better, that takes a little bit of the sting out of the, the pain. That's my opinion. Having, having been a, a user of, of using emotional pain to my advantage for many decades now, before they were even probably researching it, so you have a choice. Basically, I'm offering you a choice. You can use the pandemic to grow and become a better version of yourself, improve your life, become empowered, or there's a possibility you could succumb to PTSD, the post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is the thing. It's a choice because you could, you could make a decision right now while you're listening to this podcast. You could decide right now in this exact moment, yes. I'm going to use the pandemic and all of this pain and suffering to make my life better. Yes, 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 sign me up. Or you could say, nah, I just want to continue to suffer. I don't really want to help my children, whatever. I'm too upset. I'm too this, I'm too that. That's that's your choice. And you're making a choice there. I'm, I'm just offering you the good stuff. So if you take on post-traumatic growth, that would be, you know, all making life better, better version of yourself, and improvement. Here's what your your child or your young people will gain. If you take it on as a leader, as, as a leader of your children or your grandchildren or nieces and nephews or whoever is in your life, that this will, going through the process of what I'm going to cover, is going to help increase their self-confidence. It will help increase their self-esteem, increase their happiness, increase their ability to function in life, increase their coping skills and coping mechanism, give them increased resilience, increased health. All of those things, by the way, are protective against suicide. That doesn't mean that suicide would never happen. It just brings down the likelihood dramatically. And on top of that, all of these steps I'm going to cover will not only give you those benefits for your young people or for you as well, but it's going to decrease depression, decrease anxiety, sadness, and, you know, chance of addictions. Isn't that enough? Well, I say that all of those benefits are worth it. You know, if we can, if we can bring down the suicide rate from increasing 25.4% in 17 years and start really making a dent in it, yes, it's worth it. It's worth every little bit of effort because as I'm going to cover, you can have a lot of fun doing this, okay? I really am a fan of fun. Life is too hard not to make it fun. Life is too hard not to be happy. And you can learn to be happy even when life is really, really terrible. I'm like the queen of that. I know. I know. All right, so let's talk about why do young people commit suicide in the first place? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Some of the top ones include they don't feel well-loved. They don't have enough friends. 
They don't feel like they have anyone to turn to. They don't feel like they have anything to look forward to. They don't have strong coping skills. They are wounded from dysfunctional families, divorce, or domestic abuse. They have lost hope. They're unhappy. There are so many, many, many reasons that young people commit suicide. And what I'm here to tell you is give your young people skills, give them abilities, give them empowering attitudes and beliefs, and this will absolutely help protect them from suicide. It doesn't mean that they won't ever try or do it, but it's absolutely known from the research that people who have high emotional intelligence, among other things, have high happiness, optimism, and and know how to deal with problems and how to be happy when they have problems. So there are absolutely things that you can teach, whether they're you know children, teenagers, or young adults, to help them be happy and reduce their risk. Yes, reduce their risk. Why not? So just a mention about the difference between children who are under 18 versus you know young people who are over 18. So it's very different, obviously, based on your young person's age, how much control or influence you have on them. If your child is under 18 and still living at home, if it were me, <laughs> if it were me, I would make participation in what I'm going to cover mandatory or use bribery. I know, I'm not, I'm not above bribery, people, when it comes to my children. Because why not? Like sometimes people, young people need a little motivation. They need a little incentive. Now, of course, it's better to have participation without bribery. And I do that too. And I'll be talking about things I'm recommending. And by the way, I'm not recommending things to you for you and your young people that I haven't done, don't do, and don't do every day. I, I don't recommend stuff that I don't do. So I've done these things with my kids, I know. So if your child is under 18, still living with you under your roof, I would make participation in what I'm going to cover, mandatory or use bribery. If your child is over 18 but still living on your, under your roof, I would find a way to negotiate their participation and engage them in skill building, which is possible. Now, if your child is over 18 and not living with you, you're going to have a harder sell and a more difficult road. However, I would not give up. I would not give up trying to have your child engage and participate. That's just, you know, me. And, you know, for, you know, if you have children under the age of 18, you know, listen, you can make this fun. You really can. I mean, I've done it, and I'm going to cover that. So making it fun, which is a nice segue into the next topic. So I'm recommending that you make this journey, this process, as fun as possible. Why not? I mean, don't you want to have fun in life? Everybody wants to have fun. And there's just incredible ways that you can make things fun, even in your professional life. I mean, I launched the Xerox 4045 laser printer Oh, forever ago, forever ago. And the launch for that was incredibly fun. I mean, we were laughing. I had prizes. I had candy. And they, the sales reps, just ate it up. And we, we were laughing. But they learned, and it was amazing. So 
I don't care what age you're talking about. Everybody loves to have fun. We just do. So you want to make this fun. So to make it fun, I recommend that you have prizes and candy and things that would make it fun. Like, you know, I mean, and if you're listening to this and you're, you know, in a professional work environment, like take the fun into work too. Everybody loves to have fun. So I, if it were me, I would be having a theme like a little cool name to go with it. So, for example, you could have the Indiana Jones visits the Temple of Happiness or Indiana Jones visits the Temple of Growth and Development or 2021 Space Odyssey, Quest for Love and Joy. Or if you have young children, I don't even know if the show is still on or watched, but Dora the Explorer, Dora the Explorer finds the map to love and happiness or quest for the hidden treasures of life, or be well loved journey. I mean, you could do so many fun things with this and really great prizes and, you know, cool incentives. Now, if you think this is ridiculous, well, I already told you about my Xerox uh, laser printer launch, literally. I went around the office in Harrisburg and scrounged for like coffee mugs and, you know, all kinds of Xerox, you know, memorabilia that, different managers and people had in their closets. So I got a nice, you know, stash of, of cool prizes and, you know, the coffee mugs I filled with candy. I had candy to throw out. You know, I, I set the, everyone up in the district with questions I was going to be asking and the answers. So they came to the launch having read the materials, which of course were graphically appealing and they already knew the answers. And they of course were, you know, fighting over each other to get called on to win a prize for answering a question. I know. Yes, you can make everything fun. Do it, do it, do it. So in case you're thinking this is ridiculous, I'm going to give you an example of working with children from my past. And, uh, you know, so this will work with young children, teenagers, college students, and people of all ages. But a long time ago, I'm saying like 26 years ago, I created what was called a safety party for some adolescents and teenagers. Now, do you think that adolescents or teenagers were excited about a quote-unquote safety party? Oh, no. <laughs> no, they were not. No, but they couldn't contain themselves when they arrived and saw food and candy and prizes. Yeah, everybody likes candy and prizes and food. Like, those are the three things. So was it a fun way to get adolescents and teenagers to engage in safety and how to be safe back then? Oh my gosh, yes. It was amazing. Now, I will say that, you know, you wonder what kind of impact some of the things you do will have. Well, I happened to hear about 10 years ago, so that was like 16 years after the safety party that some of the young people who are now who are, who are then now full adults were still talking about that safety party like yeah they were I was shocked actually so get creative why not I don't care what age of the people you're dealing with make it fun <clears throat> you could even do costumes you could even do a map and like here's we're going to start with you know this or that I'm going to give you all kinds of topics I would definitely recommend creating a team because everything's more fun in a group and seriously you know why not start making life fun like why not all right so that's kind of making it fun if you need more help on fun ideas let me know because I'm like seriously committed to this so 
So that kind of gives you some, some background. Now I'm going to start talking about the content and the important concepts to embrace. So I've divided this into two parts. The first part is in concepts to embrace. And the second part is skills, habits, practices, attitudes, and things to learn and adopt. So concepts to embrace. So the number one concept you want to embrace right now is what I already mentioned, post-traumatic growth. Yes, like everybody could learn, oh my gosh, anytime something bad or painful happens, you can become a better version of yourself. You can use emotional pain to your advantage. So all of my podcasts prior to this one, so there's 30 podcasts prior to this one because this is number 31. All of them are going to help you with post-traumatic growth. All of them are going to be materials and fodder for you. But the number first concept is post-traumatic growth. The second concept is the self-fulfilling prophecy. And I've talked about that in many things. You're either creating a positive future, something good happening, you know, good things coming your way. And that would be the self-fulfilling prophecy because when you create, oh, I'm like, things are going my way or, oh, this, I'm going to get this great job or, you know, I'm going to meet a great man or I'm going to, you know, move or whatever. And it's good. Then subconsciously your actions line up with that. So your self-fulfilling prophecy actually comes true because subconsciously your behavior and your thoughts and your actions are lining up with that. And if you're not taking advantage of the self-fulfilling prophecy, meaning you believe bad things are going to happen, you're using the self-defeating prophecy and you're shooting yourself in the foot. So we need to teach young people, we need to teach everybody this basic, this is a basic core concept in psychology. The next thing is empowering attitudes and beliefs. And by the okay, empowering attitudes and beliefs, especially important during a pandemic, but empowering attitudes and beliefs can kind of kind of fall under, you know, coping skills or mechanisms because if you have an empowering attitude or belief in life, that can pull you forward. So an empowering attitude or belief is going to be like life turns out for me. Life always has a way of working out for me. Can you hear how positive and empowering that is? As opposed to, my life never works out. I never win. I can't win. You know, so empowering attitudes or beliefs. And again, I've got podcasts. I've got 120 YouTube videos, over 400 pages on my website. All this stuff is here to help you. I'm just kind of highlighting some things that need to be concepts to embrace. And what I'm going to do, I'm committing to it right now, is I'm going to take this podcast outline and put it up on my blog post so you'll have it and you can print it out. So you want to have post-traumatic growth, self-fulfilling prophecy. These are going to be concepts that you impart on your young people. Then there's psychology terms everyone should know. Well, I am a deep diehard fan of psychology because psychology can make life so much easier. Gee whiz, yes, we want life to be easier. Oh my gosh, yes. But if there's things you don't know or understand, for example, the self-fulfilling prophecy, empowering attitudes or beliefs, how about terms like projecting and denial? There's a lot. And I have a whole podcast on psychology terms everyone should know, but there's some things that are going to be really valuable to teach your young people or young adults. I mean, oh my gosh, I, my life changed when I found out about narcissists and projecting and passive aggressive behavior. There's just a lot to really, you know, 
play with here. Like you could make up little cards with psychology terms for your little game for, you know, like you could just really literally have so much fun with this. All right. Next concept to embrace is that negative thinking has to go. It is well documented in the research, extremely well proven without any, without any doubt that negative thinking is bad for your health. It's bad for your life. It's bad for your health. So, and the research also interestingly indicates that there's a higher correlation between negative thinking and, or negative effect, meaning rumination or worrying with suicide. So of course, doesn't it make sense if you're always on the downside of life that, you know, suicide might be more likely? Well, of course, it's just kind of logical. So positive thinking is a must and there's lots of ways to, you know, move away from negative thinking, catastrophizing, overthinking, worrying, all those things have got to go and, and make it fun. All right. The power of positive thinking, which is a classic book from the 1950s, I think by Vincent Van Peel is something that's going to help you as, as well as affirmations and other techniques. Last concept to embrace is religion. Why? Well, interestingly enough, religion can be a very powerful coping skill or coping mechanism for life. I know. Did you know that? You might not have known that. Because as a coping mechanism for life, religion can teach about love, compassion, forgiveness, and lots of really good things. Now, if you're a negative thinker, you're probably taking away guilt and all this other negative stuff. Well, okay. Well, I'm, you know, very religious. And what I got out of religion is love, happiness, compassion, you know, how to treat your neighbor, forgiveness. So from the research, though, what we know is that people who have a guiding, guiding principles for life or a moral code, like what is provided by religion, are more likely to be mentally healthy than people who do not have a, a guiding moral code. So those are the concepts, kind of overall concepts. Now I want to dive into habits, practices, attitudes, and ways of things to learn and things to you know embrace and, and bring into your life. And and why did this this next section is, is very action-oriented. And it's action-oriented on things to do because what this next section is going to do is going to help your young people develop coping mechanisms. Now, people who have strong coping mechanisms are more functional in life. The research is clear. Now, you might not really even understand what I mean by the term functional. Well, there's a global assessment of functioning scale, the GAF scale, that you could look up online that talks all about how we measure how functional someone is in life. So these next steps or list, which is like 15, is going to give your young people or your children or your child coping mechanisms for life, skills, practices, habits, attitudes, and beliefs that will protect them and reduce the chance of suicide. So number one is self-care and self-compassion. This is sadly missing in the world. It is a func is a foundation for a healthy and functional life. This in and of itself could be life-changing. And I have a whole podcast on self-care and self-compassion. And I would, I would recommend, you know, you're going to get into this yourself. Number two, 
emotions as a superpower. This is actually, so my, it's my favorite term, emotions as a superpower, because emotions are a superpower if you know how to use them. The problem is we mostly in, in the world and in society are lacking emotional intelligence. It's just sadly lacking. It's like lacking in like, I don't know, over 60% of the people. This is critical. I mean, why do you think people, young people commit suicide is because they're despondent and their emotions have taken over. So what I recommend, so my second podcast, by the way, is emotions is a superpower and that's a place to start. But I want to mention the whole thing with emotions is there's five components to emotional intelligence. One of them, the first one is self-awareness and there are books and books written on it. I've got multiple podcasts that will help you in growing your emotional intelligence. But this is the thing you need to know. When people don't know how to identify, pinpoint, manage, and process their emotions, they don't, their emotions just don't disappear. If you don't identify, manage, and process your emotions, those unprocessed emotions actually go into your subconscious and unconscious mind where they lay in wait. So it's really critical because sometimes they lay in wait and then they just explode. Like if you only did one thing out of this whole podcast, well, oh, come on. Like we're trying to prevent suicide here. Why is this not all worthwhile? Of course it's all worthwhile because it's going to help you be happy, healthy, fun, and have a great life. That's what you want. That's what you want for your children. So here's what I recommend under this. And yes, I did this with my children. Go online and print out an emotional word vocabulary sheet. Now there's lots of therapy websites and lots and lots of websites that have them. I found one online at tomdrummond.com and it's going to be emotional vocabulary words by category and by intensity. And what you want to do, because this is what I did with my young people when they were young, <laughs> and they're now young adults, is you want to have them use three different emotional vocabulary words with any one situation or incident. So for example, the common words used in society are, I'm happy, I'm angry, I'm upset, or, you know, sad. Like, we have these global terms, like happy, angry, upset. And that's fine, but that's really very basic. So, for example, if you had an emotional vocabulary word sheet under upset, you might find words like, well, you would find words like sad, despair, crushed, humiliated. There's actually probably like 50 words. So upset, there's a big difference between sad and despair, and there's a big difference between sad and crushed or even humiliated. They're very, they have different connotations. They mean different things. Under the word angry, for example, well, there's mad, infuriated, annoyed, and disappointed. Those are different things. It's different to be infuriated versus annoyed, but they're all under anger. And for happy, well, there's elated, over the moon, pleased, and satisfied. They also have different connotations. They're not the same thing. So you see the difference, I'm hoping, or hearing the difference. There's a huge difference. And so you want to help your young people start pinpointing their emotions. Now, I did this with my young people. I said that they had to have three vocabulary words for any one 
situation. So they something happened, they were really happy. I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's look at the happy words. And, or something not so good happened and they were upset. Okay, well, let's go there. And eventually, um, I mentioned this in another podcast on emotions, Bobby, uh, that eventually one of my kids, we were driving somewhere and, and uh, they were annoyed. And they said, like, where, where did you get this three? How come it has to be three different vocabulary words for any one thing that happens? Like, did you make that up or is that in the research? <laughs> and I was laughing. I said, no, I, that's arbitrary. You're right. I'm busted. But we're sticking with the three because I thought it was a good number. I'm not saying you have to do three. There's nothing scientific about three. It's not in the research. Well, at least not in the research I looked at. But, and you know, yeah, my kids were not happy about that. But it didn't take very long for them to see upset is a lot of different things. Happiness is a lot of different things. You know, you can be happy or you could be feeling cherished. I mean, like, so you want to do this. You want to do this for yourself, by the way. Like, why would you not want to do this? All right, so that's number two, emotions as a superpower. And there's a lot more to emotions as a superpower than having an emotional vocabulary word sheet and being able to pinpoint your emotions. There's a lot more to it. But we're starting where we start, and right now we're starting at the beginning. So the beginning would be that, like starting to grow your emotional intelligence. Number three, making friends and keeping friends. This is, let's be honest about this. Let's just like tell the truth. It is not easy to make friends. I don't care how old you are, or I don't care how young you are. It's just not easy to make friends, you know? I mean, and and probably everyone I know has had the experience of having a bad friend or a friend who really isn't that nice to you or kind of takes a little too much joy and satisfaction when things don't go well for you. And so most people need more friends. And yet this is a skill set. It's a skill set that you can learn. And you want your young people to learn how to make friends, how to talk to strangers. Now on my YouTube video channel, on my channel, my YouTube channel, I have a whole section of videos about making friends and friendship because it is not easy. So there's a whole bunch of videos. I don't know if there's like seven or eight about making friends, including big no-nos and big yeses, because sometimes young people and adults have trouble with friends because they're doing some things that are like the big no-nos. But you want to teach your young people how to make friends and keep friends. Because eventually they'll be out of the house, eventually they're going to move or change jobs or things, you know, like they're going to have to make new friends every so often because life changes. And this is a great skill and it's not one that as a society we're all that great at. I mean, we're just not that great at it. The next up is be up to something. This is number four, be up to something. So the research is very clear, very compelling that setting goals and working towards those goals will help you be happier, more contented, more confident, more motivated, have increased productivity, and it alters your brain structure in a very positive way. So we know from the research, being up to something is good for you, really good for you. Well, what does that mean? Well, it could be a life plan. It could be a bucket list. It could be a purpose. It could be a vision. It could be a little two or three little goals. It doesn't matter, you know, what you call it. 
but you want to be up to something. Now, in this podcast, I am giving you—I am giving you what to be up to. Okay, this is it. This is what you want to be up to. You want to be up to having your life be great because you want to be the role model for your children or your young people. And I don't care if your young people are out of the house and out of your control. You take this on for yourself because they will see you changing your life and it will have an impact. So don't be like thinking, oh, well, my 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 children are in their 20s or my children are in their 30s, so it's too late. No, it's never too late for a parent to role model things that they didn't role model when their children were younger. And the other really cool thing about being up to something is it can really pull you forward. Really, it's extremely positive. Number five, character and integrity. In a world where character and integrity is sadly lacking, integrity is magical and character is important. And I've talked about this on my, you know, different YouTube videos and blog posts And we know, because I already covered it, that having subscribing to a moral code leaves people healthier, psychologically speaking. So what kind of moral code do you have and what do you have for your young people? And my videos on character and integrity and integrity will help you with that. Number six, assertiveness. Well, I am a super huge fan of assertiveness, like big time. And I was fortunate that my mom gave me a book on assertiveness when I was in high school to help me deal with, you know, high school friend problems. I have a whole podcast on assertiveness. This is an absolute must for everyone. Why? Because it's life-changing. It's completely life-changing in a positive and good way. And I don't mean aggressive. That's not assertive. Assertive assertiveness never includes aggression all right number seven hobbies yes i'm a fan of hobbies and guess what yes my children had to have hobbies growing up i know you're probably feeling bad for my children right now well don't feel bad for my children they had a good they had as as good a life as i could give them would have been better if i had some didn't have some of the circumstances but yeah i mean i went on youtube and looked for male hobbies because I'm not a man, and I wanted the, my boys, I have two boys and a girl, to have masculine hobbies. And I talk about hobbies in my videos and all kinds of places. But yes, you want your children, your young people, to have hobbies. And I have a lot more to say about that, but, you know. Oh, and by the way, on the YouTube channel, oh my gosh, found this kid who did this metal casting, like it's a kid, and you know, he melted aluminum cans, and then, you know, made a little mold, and and I was like, oh my gosh, well, one of my boys did that, metal casting, he also did knife, knife making and plastic smithing, like really cool hobbies. Anyway, happiness, number eight, happiness as a skill. Happiness is not a skill for many people, as we are all aware, hopefully even prior to the pandemic. Well, why? Because many people have happiness collapsed with their circumstances. Happiness can be generated by you, by anyone, at any time, under any circumstances, if you know how to do it. So happiness is a skill. It's actually a real skill. I've got uh, more than one podcast on it. I have a podcast called Being Happy When Life is Hard and one called Moving from Unhappiness to Happiness where I talk about that. I have lots of uh, blog posts and YouTube videos. You want to teach your young people about being happy. 
when my kids were little and we would be in the grocery store or some other big box store, I would say to them, look around, look at, look at the people we're seeing. How do they look? And my kids, because they were little, would say, well, they don't look very happy or they look unhappy or they don't, they look angry or they, you know, and, and so my kids got this sense of how much, how many people weren't happy. Well, I am, happiness is my thing. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, super, it's super to have happiness as a thing. Even if you're starting your life over with nothing, which is not happy, that is, that is very depressing, but you can still be happy. So you want to teach your children happiness, how to be happy, how to generate their own happiness, and I've got lots of materials for that. Next up, number nine is gratitude. Well, when life is not going your way, i.e. we're in a pandemic that's been, you know, a year into a pandemic, it's hard to be grateful. I understand that, but gratitude is a muscle that you can grow and build and learn to employ all the time or frequently. So I have a whole podcast called The Miracles of Gratitude, and this is something you also want to be employing for yourself because, oh my gosh, the research is just amazing on the benefits, the health benefits, the mental health benefits of gratitude. And it's, it's a, it's a muscle. It's a skill. Like I have, gratitude is like my natural state. I get a good parking spot and I'm going, woohoo, thank you, God, you know, whatever. And, you know, sometimes my kids laugh about it. So what? I don't care who laughs at me. I really don't care. What I care about is being happy and healthy and, and supporting and nurturing other people to live a great life. So gratitude should be on your list. Number 10, being present or mindful. So <clears throat> we don't live in society where people are present, and people don't even know what I mean by being present. When I say being present, I mean be right here, right now, in the moment, not thinking about tomorrow or yesterday or what you're going to say next. This is a mus muscle you can build, and there's lots of... Uh, I have a YouTube video about it, but you can find lots of stuff online about it. Number 11, time management skills. Well, this is a life skill, and it's quite handy, by the way. And, and the thing about it is it gives you more free time. Don't you want to have more free time? Yes, you do. Now, I mean, who doesn't want to have more free time? Tell me. Tell me. Show me somebody who doesn't want to have more free time. So I've got some blog posts about time management and lists and some YouTube videos. This is a great skill. And you won't regret it. Why? Because it'll give you more free time to play. Yes, you want to have free time to play. All right, number 12, setting boundaries and having boundaries. Again, another topic many people don't know about or understand. Boundaries are basically limitations uh, beyond which you won't go. So there's emotional boundaries, physical boundaries, environmental. There's lots of kinds of boundaries. And it's important that you establish boundaries. So that'll go on your list. Number 13, flipping the switch on your emotions. Now this is a stopgap measure. So I'm giving you this, this kind of plan and the pieces that you could set up this great quest or this great journey or odyssey or something. Like, can't you just see it? Like saying, sitting down with your young people, even if they're in college or older, hey, we're going to do, you know, a quest or we're going to do this or that. 
don't you think you could have a lot of fun with that? Yes, well, one of the tools, so this is a stopgap measure that's a tool, is teaching yourself, if you don't know it already, or your young people, how to flip the switch on their emotions. And that's basically where you're going to go take an intentional action to feel better. So when you take an intent, so say something bad happened, something you know, didn't go your way, and you're upset, you know, you could be crying, or you could just be in a funk or whatever, then you recognize, that would be self-awareness, you recognize you're not happy, you're upset or whatever, you recognize that, and then you go, oh, well, I guess I'll go flip the switch on my emotions, I guess I'll go do X, Y, or Z, because that always makes me happier, or always makes me feel better. This is a very important tool that's Actually, even when you have high emotional intelligence, it's a great it's a great tool. All right, number fourteen. So I do have a video about flipping the switch on your emotions, and I have a pod I mean a, a um, blog post on it as well. So there's material to help you. Number fourteen. Well, I really feel very strongly about this. You might have some kind of visceral reaction to it. But I believe this is very powerful, which is number 14, take them to an AA meeting. Well, you can arrange it with a local AA chapter in advance, or you could just show up and ask them if you guys can sit in on the meeting. Why am I recommending this? Well, I'm recommending this because as a resident assistant at Penn State during my undergrad, I was asked to be a total alcohol awareness trainer, or educator actually, so I said yes, because I'm kind of a yes to life. Like people ask me to do things and I pretty much say yes. I mean, unless it, you know, is a, unless I have a boundary issue, like, you know, of course I'm not going to do anything illegal or moral or something that's hurtful to somebody. You know, I have pretty good, uh, strong boundaries. But if it's not harmful to somebody else or what have you, I usually say yes. I'm kind of a yes to life. So when my boss asked me to be a total alcohol educator, I said, sure. Not knowing that I had to take a course for it, actually, a credit course. But I did. And part of the, the curriculum was to visit two AA meetings and then write a paper. Well, I'm telling you, as a 20-year-old college student, that was mind-blowing. That was mind-blowing beyond mind-blowing. Blowing. And it gave me just an incredible uh, amount of knowledge and wisdom and fear about, you know, like, wow. like So why not educate? And I've talked to my young people, my children, about alcohol extensively. Um, I even still had my alcohol textbook from, from college. So why not? Why not do that and start talking about things? Now, if you're overusing alcohol, then you can, you know, take on your own issues because that's not a good thing. But take them to an AA meeting. Number 15, using social media to your advantage. Oh, I am a big fan of using social media to, to my advantage. And, and listen, oftentimes what people do, young people and old and middle-aged people, they go on social media and they use what they see to make themselves feel bad, to compare themselves to others, to compare their lives to the lives of other people's. No, 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 no. You don't want to do that. I have a short YouTube video on, you know, using social media to your advantage, which will help you or help your young people um, start using social media in a positive and empowering way. All right. 
So let's say, what would it look like if you took this on with your children or your grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever young people? Well, so if it were me, <laughs> this is what I would do. Number one, I would schedule little gatherings to be fun. That, of course, you already know means food, candy, and prizes because I'm definitely a fan of that. And I would make a team out of it. Like in the safety party that I was talking about earlier, I had three uh, children that I was raising that um, I was a stepmother to. So I had the three kids bring uh, one friend each. And so there were six instead of three, which definitely dramatically increased and, you know, made a much more positive environment. And to tell myself even a little bit further, I did assertiveness training with the children and we went through Your Perfect Right, the book called Your Perfect Right, chapter by chapter. I mean, you can actually do more with young people than you think. So have your young people include their friends or their cousins or their classmates, whoever. And because of this podcast, which I will put up very soon, the entire outline you know, you'll see you have the curriculum already. You don't have to go, what would I do? Well, if I'm going to do this Indiana Jones quest, what am I covering? I'll put this up on my blog site so you can see step-by-step what you could cover in, in whatever order. And you can do it whatever order you want. But I have 30 podcasts, over 120 YouTube videos. By the way, at least 40 of the YouTube videos are for young people, especially targeted to young people. Plus, there's over 400 pages of written material on my website. So you have all of this free material. It's all free. Um, You don't have to buy my book because 98% of the book is already on the website. You can read it for free. So if it were me... I would use the list of skills, habits, practices, attitudes as subjects to cover and cover them, whether it was, you know, once one topic a week or however you decided to do it. If it were me, I'd kind of lay it out and say, here's the topics we're going to cover. And that would give you an easy 14 weeks of material to cover. I would start first, the first meeting with, again, always, you know, food, prizes, and candy, uh, for participating. And I would take the young people and say, okay, how are we going to constitute ourselves as a group? Let's come up with a theme. Let's come up with, you know, how are we going to do this now, you know, and be be open-minded and be fun. And, and maybe they each want to pick their own superhero or, you know, because if they're going to learn emotions as a superpower, you know, superheroes kind of like dovetail quite nicely into that, don't you think? So you could have an overall name or they can come up with their own individual things, whatever. But you've got the content, you've got material to cover. And then you're going to be talking to your children or your young people like, well, what do you think about this? Or how do you feel about this? Or how would it help you if you could do X, Y, or Z? Or how do you think this could be helpful to you? Now, I will say when I did the um, assertiveness training, of course, the young people were not happy about it. I know, but it's too bad because sometimes you do things that are good for your children because they're good for them, like having chores or, you know, learning about integrity. And anyway, But at the end of going through the Your Perfect Right book, we went around and I said, you know, what do you think? And what I could tell from the beginning of starting the Your Perfect Right book to the end was that there's a big shift in their 
participation and their level of happiness sitting around the table talking about the, the book. So at the end, when we finished the Your Perfect Right book, I could just see this like really high level of happiness and whatnot. And I kind of was like, hmm, this is very interesting. So I started asking the questions like I just like, what do you think about this? Or how was this helpful? Or what did you learn? And they each went around and they told me how they had used assertiveness in their young lives through the course of the weeks we'd been going through the chapter and it was shocking. It was actually very, very stunning and shocking. And so um, I was like one of the best things I ever did. So you want to engage your young people. You want to have meaningful conversations with them and don't worry if they don't like it. Your job as a parent is not to be liked. Your job as a parent is to role model good behavior. Your job as a parent is to teach and inform and help nurture your young people so that they have amazing productive lives. It's not about popularity or being well liked. I mean, yeah, no, my kids didn't like that emotional vocabulary word. They didn't like it at all. But what I'm telling you is you can change your young people's lives for the future, help protect them from suicide, depression, anxiety, and really bad things by engaging them and helping them learn new things. Why not? So here's a couple, what I would say, urgent priorities for right now. So number one is to make a list of your child or young person's good quality skills and abilities that you want to do that with them. Now, I started this, yes, I did this with my children. <gasps> I know. Actually, I thought of, I was telling somebody the other day, I should dig out these videos I have of the kids when they're young, get permission, of course, of course, and see if I could put that up on my channel because I just have these cute videos of, of the kids actually demonstrating, you know, what they were learning. And they're just adorable, but I don't Anyway, so I did do this with my young children, very young, very young ages, like three, five, and seven. And so like a list for a young, young child is going to be like, I am a good boy or I'm a good girl. I am smart. I'm helpful. I'm funny. I'm honest. I know how to cook or I know how to clean or I know how to this or, you know, it's going to be whatever they're good at, you know, like even or it's like I'm a child of God or, you know, so I think and I still have copies of my kids list going back to 2003. Uh, like this will help your child build self-confidence and build self-esteem. And interestingly enough, it's also part of building their self-awareness. And self-awareness is the first part of emotional intelligence. So I don't care how old your kid is or young or whatever. Why not sit down and say, we're going to go through this exercise because this, this podcaster says I should do that with you. And, and even if you think it's a bad idea, I'm going to listen to this podcaster because I think she knows what she's talking about. Or you can say because she does her research. <laughs> anyway, so do that. Do that. Why not? Why not? I don't know. It's really kind of fun. It's very cute. All right, number two. This is, again, the urgent do this right away. Number two, print out an emotional and start using an emotional word vocabulary sheet like the one I mentioned from TomDrummond.com. By the way, I have no relationship with TomDrummond.com. 
it's just he has a you know the creative license where you can use his material for free you're just supposed to give credit to it but you can find him on all kinds of websites and start using the emotional vocabulary word sheet tell your children they have to use three words with any one incident so if it's happy fear upset whatever you know happiness sad anything three three different vocabulary words and number three Start reading and serve this book together. Now, you can, depending on the age of your children, you know, you might be reading it to them or reading it together out loud or, you know, giving them an assignment, what have you. Start doing that immediately. I mean, Your Perfect Right is a classic book, but there's plenty of other books on assertiveness. I do that immediately, immediately, immediately. Now, for you as a parent, this is just me talking to you as a parent. Number one, Start getting yourself in order. Start doing all of this stuff yourself. Like if you're not taking care of yourself, whether it's your diet or your weight or you're not sleeping or, you know, your place is in disarray or whatever, start doing self-care and self-compassion immediately because you are the role model and I need you to take this on. Like I need you to make a difference because we all have to work together. So number one, get yourself in order. Start doing this yourself. Number two, oh, please, I want you as an adult, as a parent, to be able to say these three things with grace and ease. I made a mistake. I am sorry. I was wrong. Now, having said that, I know parents who will not, under any circumstances, say those things. And I have met people who were old who have never said and won't say those things. I want you to be a role model for your children and young people. And when you can say, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, or I was wrong, you're basically showing your young people that they don't have to be perfect. Perfectionism is no good. It doesn't feel good. It's exhausting. And it's just bad. It's bad. So you want to bring humanity into this and be able to do those three things. Now, if you can't, you might have to do some work on yourself. So here's the takeaways from the podcast today. Number one, I am just begging you that this is urgent and there's, and it's not only urgent, but there's a growing need to help young people in our society, in the world. And number two, you can make this incredible difference for young people and have a blast. Like you could, you could just have it be the most remarkable journey and event and and have fun. And number three, you could make treasured memories and, you know, just amazing impact with fun. Okay, don't, like, don't be boring people. Like there's no reason to be boring. So you could do all that. And, and those are the takeaways. You could, and I've got the material for you, and it's all free. So as far as my call to action, it's really time for you to get in action. There's no more sitting on the sidelines saying somebody else will take care of it. No, I'm asking for your help. I am asking you to help me make a difference. It's time to realize that you, you are the one, and you are needed. And it's time to get your people, your young people, organized for a quest or an odyssey or a journey or whatever you want to call it and make it fun. And lastly, I'm asking you to share this podcast so that you can help other people, other parents start taking the action to protect their children because it can be done and it can be fun. 
So please share this podcast. All right. Take care. Thank you. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 31, Protecting Your Child from Suicide. Number one, I hope you're really going to get into action and take care of some of the suggestions and steps I've outlined in the podcast. My other urgent request is that you share this information with other parents and adults because we really need to work together. We really need to make a difference. We really need to start doing things differently. And I know that the steps I've outlined are research-based and proven in the therapy world. I appreciate you listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you get new podcasts automatically as they come out. Please let me know how I can help you. I love you. I appreciate you. And take care for now.